Welcome to Good People, Cool Things, the podcast featuring conversations with entrepreneurs, writers, musicians, and other creatives. I'm your host, Joey Held, and today's episode is a little bit different. As you may know, Halloween right around the corner. It'll probably look different this year. Not going to be a lot of Halloween uh, decorum going on, trick-or-treating, candy giveaways, which I guess is probably the same thing as trick-or-treating, but even while you're out uh, and about, there's not going to be candy where you can just grab stuff as well. You'll be getting in and out if you're going to the grocery store or voting. If you haven't done that, please go out and vote. All that good stuff. And while you're embracing the spooktacular, the scariness of this holiday, why not listen to some of my favorite moments from the show? Because a question I love asking musicians is what their worst gig is. And I think these horror stories, even though they're terrifying in the moment, always have a great lesson that come out of them, and they are always such entertaining stories. And so I'm sharing five conversations with musicians where we're just talking about their worst gigs. It's super quick, it's super simple, but it's super enjoyable all at the same time. If you'd like to get in touch with Good People Cool Things, you can do so in a couple different ways. Feel free to reach out via Twitter or Facebook at GPCT Podcast. Also on Instagram at GPCT Podcast. Apparently I'm so spooked out, I forgot to mention the Instagram, but it's the same thing. GPCT Podcast on all of them. Also, always appreciate an email, joey at goodpeoplecoolthings.com. And if you want to wear something extra comfortable while you're in your spooky mode, I don't really have a lot of spooky merch, but the merch is super comfortable at the Good People Cool Things shop, and you can visit that goodpeoplecoolthings.com slash shop. Simple, right? Not trying to reinvent the wheel here, just trying to support the show. So all of your support is appreciated, but without further ado, let's hop into these conversations. We're going to start off with guitarist Lance Ruby, who has two Worst gigs. Couldn't even pick one because both of these are equally bad in their own ways. And I can't wait. Let's do it. Oh, man. There are so many. <laughs> Everyone is worse than the last. <laughs> yeah. I mean, okay. Two, I'll, I'll give you two because they're okay. both pretty bad. So I, when, when I was really just starting out, like I was getting my undergrad degree in music in Utah, and I, uh, I got an email out of the blue that said, hey, I, I am booking music at this sushi restaurant near you. We want live jazz. And I was studying jazz at the time. So I was like, cool. And I, I remember I go there. I set up. It was like me and a, another. It was like a duo gig. So it was just two of us. And we play the first song. And the manager comes up to us. And he does not speak English. But I can tell he's disappointed in what we're doing. <laughs> and then, you know, I don't know what he wants differently. So we play the next song. And then the manager comes back with a, a young girl. And she's now translating for him that they want happy jazz. And we are playing sad jazz. <laughs> and <laughs> I just remember, like, we played like an hour's worth of like, you know, jazz songs in major keys. And then we still had like an hour and a half left to go of the gig. And I was like, every, all the other tunes I know are in minor key, dude. We just got to suck it up. <laughs> <laughs> They're not going to be happy. So that was bad. Anytime like somebody hires you, especially for an event, and they don't like the music you're playing, that is a rough gig. Yeah. Especially if they did not tell you, like 
if that guy had said we want happy jazz which you know what does that even mean but if they had said we want happy jazz then i could have like put together a set list of happy jazz or whatever but <laughs> the, the, the some of the worst gigging experiences is like i got hired for a thing and they want something way different <laughs> and then the 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 other i mean when I first started touring, the, I remember what my friends and I from who were in this band, we called this the tour from hell because everything that could go wrong did. So like we, we go to the first gig, right? We're, 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 it was a Colorado based band and our first gig was in South Dakota and we go to South Dakota and that night, halfway through our set, the stage collapses on us. Oh no. Like they had like a rinky dink, like aluminum, like piece together stage and it fell. (laughs) (laughs) And then we were just like, okay, we're going to let the place fix the stage for us. And then we'll play the rest of the set. And they decided to fix it with like um, milk cartons. They just got like a bunch of milk cartons and stacked them on top of each other. And those were the support system for the stage. Seems safe, yeah. Yeah, totally safe. So then that happened, and then on the way to the next gig, our van broke down. Specifically, we lost the brake pump, so the brakes did not work. So that's horrifying. And then we ended up renting a uh, an SUV because there was no way our van was going to be fixed in time. And we got to the next gig like an hour late because of the rental process. Also, we didn't realize that the time changed from South Dakota to the other side of South Dakota. And oh, uh, it's one of those states. Uh. <laughs> yeah, we did not realize that. So we were we were late to the gig, and we ended up playing, and it was great because it really felt like we had overcome quite a bit to get to that gig. So that gig felt awesome. But yeah, just everything that could go wrong on that little run did. <laughs> but hopefully you came out stronger on the other side yeah yeah definitely i uh i i I started uh touring way differently (laughs) (laughs) i realized if you show up to the band leader's house and he starts telling you about like the great deal he got on the van it's probably not gonna go great (laughs) oh one other hidden feature of that story is that he didn't have enough uh, chairs in the van for all of us to sit down. And so he was like, oh, I have the chairs out back. Let me go grab them. And he grabbed chairs and they w- were chairs from a different vehicle. So they didn't like lock into place. Oh, <laughs> So he just like got like, I forgot, I forgot all the things we did, but I remember like tying them down. <laughs> there was a rock involved to try and like hold the seat down. But like every time you move, the the chair would basically fall over. So that was that was a fun time. <laughs> yeah, that seems real secure. <laughs> yeah, that was a great situation. I can tell you that since then, like the the touring situation has gotten just better and better each time. But yeah, those first couple runs with like random different groups was um, pretty scary. <laughs> <laughs> ah, wonderful. Next up is singer-songwriter Maggie Gently, who shares a story about one of her first shows with her band, The Total Bettys, and whew, learned a lesson about the people that you should be keeping. 
this is kind of an embarrassing one. One of the <laughs> first shows I ever played with the Total Betty's was um we like wanted to travel a little bit outside San Francisco so that no one we knew yeah. could come to the show <laughs> because <laughs> we were like we were just kind of like testing the waters testing out our material and we didn't want anyone to that we knew to hear us until we were like confident that we could actually do it so this might have been like our first ever show and it was a a weird a weird like night the bands were all over the place all different genres there was like a rapper there was like a, a hair metal band and <laughs> then there was us in the band who brought us out and uh i think we did okay there were a lot of hiccups someone in the band was super late and we didn't and he didn't play half the show with us which was awkward <laughs> um but the worst part was the one of the bands that was playing their songs were just so misogynistic and so insulting and i was sitting there and looking at my friends like why are we here like what are we doing associating with these people and then at the end of the night we were like you know saying thank you and shaking hands and making small talk and i was sitting there like how can you like i don't know how can you play a show with with a band with women like how can you it just it felt so icky and so wrong sorry this isn't a funny story but it's like it 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 really was an early lesson for me about like the company that I keep and the community that I'm a part of the music community in the Bay area, especially, I think I don't really know about other places, but in the Bay area, it's so diverse and there's so much great music, so many women and queer people and people of color making amazing music and uplifting marginalized voices. You don't have to waste your time, you know, playing with bands or, or at venues or with, you know, promoters or engineers that are misogynists or who are like you know who don't care about uplifting other people's voices so you know i learned that lesson the hard way by just sitting there like squirming in my seat so uncomfortable uh the band they had uh, one of the, their songs the chorus was just t-i-t-s we love tits and i was sitting there like oh, oh wow God, no <laughs> so very deep lyrics is what you're saying yeah exactly yeah they really dove deep in their uh, wells of creativity yeah. for that one <laughs> Well, I'm glad you learned that lesson early on, because uh, I think it is an important one of of who you're associating with. Uh, and also just like general life lesson, I think, too, is you want to surround yourself with people that are are good people, <laughs> hence the name of this show. Um, yeah. <laughs> but especially just like, I mean, not everyone has to think exactly the same as you, but like if they're just kind of generally terrible people, it's probably probably best to not uh, not hang around them. I mean, if this pandemic hasn't taught you to keep your friends close, and by close, I mean six feet away, and people that don't jive with your values just completely out of your life, I think that's a, a pretty good story to, to drive that point home. Next up is CEO Chino Marley, the king of drip, who learned that, hey, there's one thing you should probably always do before you play a live show. And he learned that lesson the hard way, but he's got some great advice for any musicians and really anyone that does any kind of performances. Let's take a listen. The worst one, I have to say, like, this little spot that I had did at Birmingham. And it was like, you know, the guy called me out there and booked me. And he's supposed to be paying me like $400. That's what we had agreed upon. And when I got out there, it was like, did. 
like when nothing organized, when nothing going the right way, people at the club was tripping and then and he was shout on my money, you know, some stuff that had happened in the club got dangerous and I'm like, oh, I'll never do this again. I was in my <laughs> I was in my own city. I was in Birmingham, Alabama. You know, I was in my own city, you know, and that's that's sad, man. You know, I love my city, but you know, I you know, that's the that's become somebody, man. I gotta stay away from my city. That does not sound enjoyable. It's always it's always rough when you get there and they're like not expecting you or like not set yeah, up. Yeah, and you like you like so you don't know I was coming to do this. Yeah. Like, no, well, no, you need to get in touch with, you need to uh, talk to her. You're like, no, man, I can't know that. That right there, no, I will never do it again. That's why all artists make sure you have a performance contract so these folks can know exactly what you require, what they require to have for you to come to their club. Like, make sure that's real big. Make sure you have a performance contract. And if they don't have it, you can take them to court. Cause you don't want to be out here doing all this and uh, putting all this energy and work and spending your money and then go to the club to find out you've been swindled. So, you know, put it, put that on, put it on paper. Every time somebody try to come get you do something, tell them put it on paper and email it to you. That way you already know, hey, this is what's supposed to happen. This is what they supposed to give me. And if they don't stick to it, okay, you'll see my lawyer. That's good advice for really anything, like artists, musicians, writers, <laughs> anyone out there. Make sure you get it in writing. It's real. You got to get it in writing because it, it's bad out here dealing with these clubs and stuff. Like, you know, if you ain't got a, a huge name, like famous, famous, they really trying, they be trying to pull one over on you. Country musician Susie Ragsdale has been at it for a while However, when she first got started, she had a gig that was going so poorly, she just stopped right in the middle of the song. So let's hear how that went down and how she recovered. There was a time back in the 90s when um, me and Verlin Thompson were a duo. And and I hadn't performed very often on a big stage. And to me, 12th and Porter in Nashville was a big stage. They had these paper mache angels hanging on either side of the big stage and and my heroes had always played there, like Pat McLaughlin and David Olney and John Hyatt and, you know, great writers. And I'm like, I'm on this stage. Oh, my God. And I had just written this song. Pay Attention was the song. And I wrote it on the piano. And I knew how to play it. But I was so nervous at being at 12th and Porter playing it that I totally fumbled the chord progression with my hands and instead of as I do now carrying on and just covering up to where no one can tell I went ah and I quit I quit in the middle of this <laughs> and the whole crowd was like oh no and my my husband Verlin was like oh Susie just start over so I was like okay, I'm going to start this song over. And so I played it from, it's only a two minute song anyway, but I started it over and succeeded and I got like a standing ovation. <laughs> so, but still that was the worst, the worst live show. I, I just <laughs> froze and went, 
do it. Yeah, sure. You can just like feel the tension within the crowd too. But I'm glad you persevered. That's a good a good tale well, of getting over the hump. The, th- the thing that every performer needs to remember is probably 95% of the audience is on your side. You know, they love you. They're there for you to do good, to entertain them. And they want you to be well and do well. And they're going to forgive you. And they're going to love you for your mistakes. And the the other 5% should just go home. (laughs) You know, I mean, people, people are usually good and loving and kind and supportive. And so if you know that, your stage fright needs to go away a little bit because everybody's on your side. And I think you can always try and play it off at least a little bit of if if you do mess up, like maybe you play uh, a couple wrong notes or hit the wrong chord or something, but just kind of play it off. It's like, hey, you know what? I'm experimenting a little bit. Like I, this is not the, the typical sound that you'd get from the album. This is a live show. So I'm going to mix it up a little bit and I you can, you can play it off yeah. nicely. Oh. Yeah, and that and that works so well when you've got some experience. But that day, back thirty years ago, I was like, "No, I messed up my entire life." And finally, this one's not so much a bad gig as it was a crazy gig, uh, and with a few fun little surprises and mementos thrown in along the way. Professional whistler and musician Sam Knowlton shares his experience at the World Whistlers Convention in Tokyo, which he participated in not once, but twice. And let's hear about his experiences there. You have to apply, and you send in uh, a classical song and a contemporary song. Um, so like a jazz or a pop song, whatever. Um, and then you either get accepted or not. And you probably get accepted. There's not tons and tons and tons of people applying for this. Um, So odds are good that you'll get in. But um, then when you go, you have to do a a classical piece followed immediately by a uh, contemporary piece, um, about four minutes each. And then if you are good enough you go to the finals the next day and you have to do another mm. classical piece and contemporary piece so you got four songs that you're taking to to tokyo um and the first time i went i, I made the finals um there were seven of us and um it took a couple months to translate all the uh all the scores and uh so the top three people got trophies and um I didn't get a trophy. So I'm like, okay, well I'm either four five, six or seven. Um, and when the score sheets came back, I was eighth. So oh, wow. somehow, <laughs> somehow I was so offensive in the final that they went, no, move somebody else up. That was horrible, which I'm, I'm sure isn't true, but it was probably a translation thing. But I think it's, I just think it's funny that I never, I, I don't care to know. <laughs> What did I you, was probably seventh. So what did I'll you do that. in the final? That <laughs> I don't know. That was so outrageous. Ran out of the audience and punched the judges. <laughs> probably shouldn't have done that. I would have scored no, that a bronze no. at least. I would. Yeah, have I didn't think it was that. my best work of all time, but it certainly wasn't worth a a downgrade. <laughs> <laughs> so somebody else that didn't do two extra songs, I somehow got negative points. Maybe. 
I mean that's a that's impressive in its own right. So yeah, I, I I'm just assuming that. I got seventh yeah. place. <laughs> the one thing that was cool about it though is uh, right before I went on stage, the person that went before me, um, we're off in the wings, um, so nobody sees us. It's just the the stage manager back there, and he did his set, I guess you would call it. And he came back and he was standing um, in the legs. Uh, where nobody, like, I was the only person that could see him. He turned around to the stage and bowed in reverence to the stage. It was the most Japanese thing I've ever seen. Uh, and I just thought it was so cool to, like, to just give respect to the space that you just performed in. Like, thank you for giving me this opportunity to perform piles of wood that collectively <laughs> make a stage. Just a weird, weird competition. But in enticing enough to go back in 2018, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the first time I went, uh, I just applied kind of as a joke because you have to pay to go. It's not like they send you over there. <laughs> They're not flying and you that's out there. a long ways away. <laughs> um, and so I, I, I posted about it on Facebook, like, hey, I got accepted to this thing. I'm not going, but isn't that cool? And someone else was like, uh, okay, I looked this up and it's... Um, eight blocks from my apartment. I have a spare room if you want to go. I'm like, okay, well, that takes that, you know, it's just a flight now. So I went. But yeah, it was so, I mean, Tokyo is just such an incredible city that I had to go back and it was, it is just amazing. That place is incredible. Did you boost your, uh, your performance? This no. Time or what? <laughs> no, 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 no. I, 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 <laughs> I did quite the opposite. <laughs> did not try nearly as hard. Uh, I didn't. I didn't make the finals this time. Um, but yeah, the uh, I, this isn't my entire life. For some people, this is everything, and they're devastated if they don't make the finals or if they don't win or whatever it is. And for me, it's just a fun adventure. I just enjoy an adventure and use music as a, a means to an end well i hope that spooktacular was as enjoyable for you as it was for me i know i had a great time chatting with these musicians and great to know that they're all doing significantly better than they were in those worst moments there and a great reminder for you too that hey even when life seems like it's got you down when you're at a bottom point things are always going to look up you'll look back on that and feel better for having experienced it. You're coming out stronger. You've got a good story to tell. And that is always the key with all of that. And hey, this may be a spooktacular episode, but that doesn't mean we're going without a joke here. Of course we've got one. And of course it's Halloween themed. Why don't mummies have friends? Because they're just too wrapped up in themselves. Get after it today, people, and happy Halloween. Woo!